Hello and welcome to the Medjlis Podcast, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Paneer, host of the Medjlis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. Gallup World Poll recently released the results of its annual Law and Order Index that rated Tajikistan the best country in the world in terms of the people's confidence in their police. The poll was based on whether people, quote, are confident in their, lo- their local police, feel safe in their neighborhoods, and were victims of thefts or assaults in the past year, unquote. Tajik State Television has been boasting about this rating, but there are other opinions about the situation with law and order in Tajikistan. To discuss law and order in Tajikistan, I am joined by Marius Fossum, longtime Central Asia representative of the Norwegian Helsinki Committee, and Marius is based in Kazakhstan, Mukhamed Jan Kabira, whose family were for- was forced to flee Tajikistan to escape certain punishment for their political activities, and who is currently the host of the Europe-based Azda television that reports on events in Tajikistan. Thank you both for joining me. And Mukhamed Jan, I, I want to start with you. What are what are you had your family, your friends had to flee Tajikistan years ago. What are your memories of the police and law and order in Tajikistan? Uh, well, thank you very much, Bruce, for having me here. Uh, greeting to Marius and your listener. I was quite surprised by the you know Gallup polls, and uh, when I saw this post on the Minister of Interior. Uh, affairs uh, Facebook page on uh, on internet. I thought it might be kind of joke, and also, uh, and I didn't take uh, it serious. Or I thought maybe this is some unpopular, you know, Gallup. Uh, I didn't know that this is a very popular website. But uh, regarding to your question, my opinion and memories about. People confidence and trust in the police in Tajikistan, particularly, but also in post-Soviet countries. For example, any people from uh, post-Soviet countries, when they see police, uh, they this, this, change direction. They, they have kind of fear, fear from the police officers. I remember when uh, in 2008 I went to United States because of such a attitude and my uh, bad experience about police <laughs> when I was chased by you know when I anytime I saw the American police I also changed my direction without uh, considering that I'm uh, in the United States so later you know I feel much severe but still uh, this is the situation in Tajikistan people for several reasons do not report to the police one when you report to the police you might be bribe it you might be maybe you are uh, you are offended but the police finally will turn turns against you so uh, when we were living in the Tajikistan uh, personally I never trusted police I never feel confidence when the police were around me so this is basic memories from police in Tajikistan and also in post-soviet countries Okay, thank you. Uh, Marius, you've been following events in Tajikistan. You've been in Tajikistan for years now. Uh, you've been watching what's happening there. What is your opinion on this? I mean, how, you've talked with people. How do they view the police out in, in Tajikistan? Uh, look, I'm just as surprised as Mohamed Jonar, and I'm sure you are as well by the Gallup World Poll. But look, I don't know who they asked. And, you know, even if they, the respondents say that they feel safe in Tajikistan, we don't know if they actually felt safe enough to answer the questions honestly. And why would they answer them honestly? 
I mean, Tajikistan is a country where you can be imprisoned just for liking something on social media. So why would you tell a stranger on the telephone anything that implies criticism of the authorities? But, you know, one thing about dictatorships and police states is that they can be somewhat efficient at fighting certain types of crime. Like even today when I visit Uzbekistan, some people will still praise deceased Uzbek dictator Islam Karimov for getting rid of crime, as they say. Now, going back to Tajikistan, if you look at overall statistics, official statistics, there is overall less crime in Tajikistan than in neighboring countries. Now, these are official statistics, however, and most importantly, they do not include crimes committed by the government. And Tajikistan's current authorities are criminal. The elites plunder the country for resources. Torture is regular in prisons and pretrial detention facilities. Critics are dealt with very heavy-handedly, as Muhammad John also can tell you about. We have documented as many as 553 cases of political imprisonment during the last 10 years. Or, you know, we could talk about the crackdown in uh, the autonomous Gordon Balakshan region, where at least 40 people were killed by government forces last spring. So, to sum up, I'm very surprised by the Gallup poll, and I do not think they reflect the realities on the ground in Tajikistan. Okay, thank you. Mukhamad John, you're, you're connected to the Islamic Renaissance Party of Tajikistan. Of course, your uncle is the head of this party. The party was really part of the political process in Tajikistan for, for many years, from 1997 until 2015. But in 2015, things changed. What, what do you remember about the police? Uh, what can, or what can you tell us about police actions in 2015 or in the years leading up to it, you know, when they dealt with the, with the Islamic Renaissance Party of Tajikistan? Let me just uh, share with you my personal experience. Um, it was, uh, I think, October 2015, when immediately after the crackdown on IRPT, I was uh, in Istanbul and I heard, I received information, call from Tajikistan. The police station in Wahda district, they collect, uh, you know, they interrogated, they, you know, basically captured or by force, they brought all my relatives, not close relatives, far relatives, for example, um, you know, sisters of uh, my grandfather, aunts of my grandfather, uncle of my grandfather. I'm not talking about my uncles, his uncles. And the video is uh, public. It was a cold winter. It was snowy. And uh, they even brought my uh, late grandfather, which uh, that time he was 92 years old. And uh, I remember this narration. The police officer complained to, reported to his office. He said he's a Sikh. He cannot walk. They said, no, bring him under any condition. So I want that's all 92 years old at the police station in Wahdad, which is 20 kilometers away from uh, my village. So they were hauled at the, you know, outside at the police station for the entire day and they were interrogated and they give force under the, you know, force of the police officers. They uh, give interview on the camera and, uh, you know, condemn it. Their relatives, like especially against Mr. Kabiri, the leader of party. So that was the approach. And it's never ended. They organized public shaming meeting in front of our houses. 
and other activists, they um, interrogated, they, they, they still continue interrogating. For example, two months ago, my father-in-law passed away because of uh, he, he had a heart attack. And uh, recently they called my, uh, you know, they invited him again, but they were not aware that he already passed away. So instead of my father-in-law, they interrogate my mother-in-law now. So this is how they approach. And it is happening like uh, the same time when Gallup report that people are confident to the, to the police officer or security service. And the same time people are being interrogated every day. My father can't talk to me at all since uh, 2017 after he was arrested for three days because, you know, there are many ways the authority using, for example, one of them, they will force you to swear by Quran. Like they will put Quran in front of people and they say, swear by the Quran, you are not talking to your son. So if he swear by the Quran, he cannot talk or he, if he swear, he's not swearing, they force him Talk to your son, convince him back to Tajikistan. So this is the situation, unfortunately. And this is the confidence to the people, uh, to people to the police. The second reason, because of the corruption, whenever you report to the police, whoever pay more bribe, the police will take his side. Police never does real investigation and to support, like uh, to be on the side of innocent. They always, uh, the money, the, the bribe, whoever pay, uh, more, they took his side. That's uh, unfortunately the reality in Tajikistan. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Can you talk about some of the party members um, and their prison sentences that they're serving right now? IRPT party members, I mean, of course. So you could, yeah, we could, uh, about IRPT, we could talk about uh, the journalists, lawyers, for example, like Zerg of situation, uh, Nuruddin Mahkamov. And uh, let me tell you, uh, for example, Tajikistan, the, I don't know if there are any similar experience. In Tajikistan, even people are not, you know, safe or okay inside prisoner. When Rahman was attacked uh, by eggs in uh, Berlin, the governments reacted very fast. They went after the all activists who relatives back in Tajikistan. Beside the video recorder and also pictures were taken during the demonstration, they also had their own people which took uh, shoot uh, close photo pictures sent to the uh, Minister of Interior Affairs or Security Service. And this uh, service, they went after their relatives. For example, I heard a lot about relatives, people who were intending the, the demonstration. And also the worst situation are faced by uh, uh, prisoners. They put prisoners in solitary uh, confinement and then they ask uh, for bribe. Like, for example, now they're building new prison. Uh, if you pay, for example, if you buy construction products for $1,000 or $2,000, uh, they will release you from this isolation or solitary uh, confinement. So these are the situation. Uh, I heard such a report from not only RPT, but also from Group 24 uh, prisoners, from the journalists, from lawyers, and uh, the situation even for prisoners worse. Uh, the second uh, issue, the prisoners have to buy or purchase or being brought like food by their relatives. So whenever they ask for food, from the relatives, it is depend on security 
uh, present security, how, how portion, uh, half of the food or all of the food will be delivered. If the food is good, sometimes they keep for themselves. And similar issue with the medicine. So when the prisoners ordering uh, medicine from the relatives, and uh, many times we heard that a cup, part of the medicine kept by the security service, or sometimes they are not giving at all or delivering this medicine to the prisoners. And this is the condition uh, of the uh, political prisoners in Tajikistan. And also the divide uh, prisoner situation, like uh, in prisoners with the inside the prison, uh, like uh, political prisons, religious prisons, uh, criminals and uh, others. The worst uh, situation uh, or the worst punishment are f- uh, subjected to the political prisons. If you imprison it because of cr- crimes or selling narcotics, they have better condition and situation and not been prosecuted as much as political prisoners. Okay, thank you. Um, Marius, get back to you. And, and um, police have been arresting all kinds of people lately for the last almost year and a half now. Um, you know, journalists, bloggers, lawyers, all kinds of people. I remember, you know, Abdullah Gurbati, for instance, he was a, uh, uh, he's a blogger and he was on, he had a YouTube channel. He helped this other person named Dollar Imam Ali. Abdullah was at first um, detained because the police said that he assaulted a police officer when he was in the police station for questioning. And people that know uh, Abdullah have said that that he's not a big guy. And they they found it shocking that that he would even think about, uh, and unbelievable actually, that he would even think about assaulting a police officer. Can you tell us about some of those, some of these people? I mean, we've talked about the Islamic Renaissance Party, but it goes far beyond that. Yeah, you're right. If you look at a picture of Gurbati, you will see that you're right. He's not a big guy. Uh, as I have mentioned, or maybe I forgot to mention uh, earlier when I was talking about crime in Tajikistan, torture is an endemic problem. And the assaults taking place inside police stations are usually carried out by the police. And um, we see, according to our information, at least 11 journalists have been sentenced to prison during the last one and a half years, including Gurbati, as you mentioned, and Khurshid Fuzilov and Zavkibe Saidamini, who was given uh, six years just last year. This, this li- really looks like an attempt from authorities, central authorities in Tajikistan, to just eradicate anything that's going on, to decimate whatever remains there are of free journalism in the country so that no one will be able to report about the crackdown in Gebel, I mean, the Gordon-Badakshan autonomous region, and the crackdown in Tajikistan in general. And also we see that it's part of an attempt, part of efforts to eradicate any kind of journalism and civil society and even like sense of, I would say, even identity in the autonomous Gordon-Badakshan region. Okay, thank you. We're about at the halfway point. Time to remind that we're talking about recent the recent uh, report on law and order in Tajikistan, uh, given by Gallup World Poll that found Tajikistan the best country in the world in terms of law and order. And my guests are Mukhabad John Kabirov, whose family was forced to flee Tajikistan to escape certain punishment for their political activities, and who is currently the host of, of Europe-based Azda television that reports on events in Tajikistan, and Marius Fossum, longtime Central Asian representative of the Norwegian Helsinki Committee, based in Kazakhstan, but very familiar with Tajikistan, having traveled there several times. 
uh, and keeping track of it for many, many years now. Um, Marius, I want to come back to you because you were just mentioning about torture in prison. A lot of people, since we're talking about confidence in the police in Tajikistan, do people believe that, that they could, Tajik citizens, do they believe that they'll be tortured in jail or in custody in police detention centers if they get picked up? You know, that would be a very interesting uh, topic of research for the Gallup World Poll to conduct in Tajikistan. Of course, no one would answer honestly. What we can say is that if you are picked up by the police, there is a real genuine risk that you will be subjected to torture. Moreover, if you are picked up by the police and if you're suspected of a crime or if a crime, a criminal charge is trumped up against you, you are almost certain to be sentenced. If we'll, if you look at the conviction rates in Tajikistan, they are mind-blowing. Like If you look at 2021, out of more than 10,000 criminal cases, only 10, one zero, ended with acquittal. During the first half of 2022, there were zero acquittals in Tajikistan. And now we don't have the numbers for the rest of the year, but last year was also the year they did away with perhaps the only honest judge in Tajikistan. Rustam Sadah Mazadoh, who was sentenced to prison in April last year. Now, before he was picked up, he was known for dismissing unfounded cases. And as mentioned earlier, there's a lot of unfounded cases in Tajikistan, like more than 500 cases of politically motivated imprisonment in just the last 10 years. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mukhamad John, back to you. And, and But again, Dozens of, of supporters of the Islamic Renaissance Party of Tajikistan were picked up in the wake of um, the government's declaration that the, they, the party had helped in a attempted overthrow of the government, which is, has always been very murky if there even was a coup attempt in the country. But anyway, they blamed it on the IRBT. They arrested dozens of people. How many? How many of them have you heard of? Uh, heard were tortured when they were in, held in detention before they were even put in prison? So. Uh- uh, the, the torture is part of the police system and security system in Tajikistan. Uh, they, they will, uh, as soon as they arrest you, will take you to the station. So the first thing before asking your name, they will torture you badly. And then they will ask for your identification uh, or information. So from what we heard from lawyer, like uh, first uh, deputy of the RPT, he told to his uh, lawyer, Zurmahiyorov, he was beaten up. Uh, the Muhammad Ali Hayid, the second deputy of the RPT, deputy, the leader of the party, Muhammad Ali Hayid, we have his confession recorded by security video to his lawyer, and he was confessed that he was badly tortured. Uh, and we also have record from the RPT court when one of the prisoners saying that uh, we were badly tortured. That's why uh, they give for confession, forced confession. But uh, the torture, uh, you know, we, we as a journalist reporting from exile, we receive every day report from Tajikistan how illegally the citizens are being arrested, tortured, uh, or they, as Marius mentioned earlier, Police officers, they will open any case against you in order to bribe, in order to allocate money, for example, for liking, for Group 24, extremist group, terrorist organization, 
uh, ISIS, whoever you think, but uh, just this is the case of money and bribing. Uh, and uh, depend on the cases, depend on your uh, wealth situation, uh, income, if you just return from Russia. So they ask you uh, an amount from 500 to a couple of thousands in order to release you. So this is how the people surviving in the country, unfortunately. Okay, Marius, you were just talking about the court systems. I'm, in recent months, actually, it's been going on for years, but certainly in recent months, there's been many court cases that were uh, where the evidence and, and the information being given was declared secret. And so there were closed trials. Uh, can you talk about that since this report was Law and Order Index? Uh, what's it like if you end up in court and you're a high-profile um, suspect? So if you end up in court, if you end up tried with a crime, not important whether or not you committed the crime and you're a high-profile defendant, you will be sentenced in Tajikistan. As mentioned, uh, the acquittal rate is near zero. Now, you asked about evidence. Like It's not unusual that the defense is denied access to evidence in many cases, and the state party will regularly interfere with your right to legal counsel. They will even imprison your lawyer if uh, they feel that is warranted. And the state side will easily fabricate evidence. We have received reports of that. And in almost any, all of the cases that have been politically sensitive in at least the last one and a half years, the authorities have held the court proceedings behind closed doors. So there is no access for like civil society and other independent observers to monitor the trial proceedings. So there's a lot of rule of law principles being violated every time there's a high-profiled case in the Tajik court systems. Okay, thank you. You know, I think I think we can keep this this episode a little bit short, uh, but but I want to make sure I get all your comments in. So, what I'm curious about now is that uh, you know Gallup, the, the, obviously this is an annual annual index. Last year, Tajikistan was ranked third, right? So it was behind Kuwait and Singapore. Now it's number one. Muhammad Muhammad John, um, do do you think the situation in Tajikistan is getting better or worse in the last year in terms of law and order? Uh, let's just uh, bring some evidence. For example, recently, Shohrat Ismatullayev, the deputy of the Aryan Bank, bank belonging to the Hassan Asadullah Zoda, brother of the Rahman's wife, was was captured uh, and uh, under the torture, he was he lost his life, unfortunately. And uh, when the police find out uh, who was behind the crime. Uh, like a deal shot, say Muradov and Rustam Ashurov. So you know the uh, the the police uh, took in hostage the mothers of the criminals. Can you imagine? Is this the legal way how to arrest or you know bring to the justice the criminals in by the way to punishing their relative, for example, their mothers, their relatives, in order to forcing them to return back to Tajikistan? So Rustam, he was shot down by the police at the airport in Kshinev, but Dilshad was arrested in Moscow. And, uh, you know, uh, he was extradited by the Minister of Internal Affairs. So the police is not only uh, persecuting people inside the country, but also they are working with the foreign state 
to illegally extradite those people. And unfortunately, this is kind of competition between security forces and the Minister of Internal Affairs who bring, uh, who extradite more people or more activists from abroad to Tajikistan. And whoever, whoever brought, you know, this is kind of bringing gift to Rahman, showing that you are active, you are supporting his regime and uh, in order to be rated or to be given a medal or, you know, uh, or to regain higher position in the system. Uh, this is uh, the situation we are facing in Tajikistan. So comparing to the police, that's uh, really weird. I, I could understand Kuwait police and uh, we don't hear that much about police offense to their citizens or Singapore, like uh, the most democratic country, one of the most popular and democratic country and uh, developed country in the uh, Asia. But uh, Tajikistan is poorest country in post-Soviet, and uh, I don't think the confidence to the police in Tajikistan are better than Azerbaijan or Georgia or even Kyrgyzstan. As I said, we have phobia against police. Whenever we see a police officer, we run away, we change our direction, we just escape. We never report to the police because we don't know the outcome. Uh, and uh, we also afraid as a citizens, if we report to the police, we might be bribed by the police or the case going to turn us turn against us. Like you complain to the police, other side will just bribe more and he will be, uh, you will be uh, charged or fined. And we saw at the car accident, a lot of issues or report when the son of the ministers or elite are, during the car accident, killing innocent people, they were they never face ju judgment, and uh, they never end up in the court. Or even if they are in the, in the court, they never uh, be in prison, in prison in, in Tajikistan. So uh, I don't know what kind of pulls this. Like Tajikistan is better than Singapore and Kuwait. I don't think they are even close to each other. These two, <laughs> uh, these three country. In the confidence to the police. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Marius, over to you. Um, you know, Tajikistan has gone up to number one in the last year. What's, what's your recollection of law and order in Tajikistan in the last year? Well, if we are to compare like one year ago, or rather during 2022, authorities arrested hundreds on trumped-up charges in uh, Gordon Balakshan alone. This year, there have been less people for them left to imprison and arrest and harass. So from that point of view, of course, yeah, the police have, there have been less violations from the hands of the police this year than last year. Uh, does that make uh, the police in Tajikistan the number one police in the world? No way. Okay, thanks. And, and I'll let you guys each have a, a last comment if you want. Uh, but I'm just curious, when you hear the words law and order and the word Tajikistan, what comes to your mind? Marius, I'll start with you. When I hear the term law and order together with Tajikistan, I basically think of the lack of accountability for criminal government officials. And we at the Norwegian Helsinki community have for years been calling for Magnitsky-style sanctions against key government officials complicit in 
terrible and gross human rights violations in Tajikistan. Now, these people, of course, should, in an ideal world, serve out prison sentences. But since that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, like Magnitsky-style sanction is at least some form of accountability. And, you know, when the Ministry of Internal Affairs violently cracks down on protests and dozens are killed in the Gornabalakshan, you know, there are concrete named government officials who are responsible for this. It's not so difficult uh, to put them on a sanctions list. There is, for example, a minister of interior or head of the Gornabalakshan police directorates. It's very easy to find these officials. Okay, thank you. Mukama John, what do you do? You hear the words law and order and you hear the word Tajikistan. What do you think of? That's a tough question. We don't have a law order, or we just, like we say, like uh, in Tajikistan, we say the law is only for the ordinary people and uh, the officials, uh, the government officials, the elite are not responsible to this law. They are not uh, accountable uh, to this law. So uh, this law is a law order are only for controlling the ordinary people in Tajikistan. That's uh, how, you know, when we hear this, how, and also we say, uh, listen what Mullah says not to do as he's doing. So same thing, like uh, the police could uh, break the law, the officials have right to break the law and not be punished, but the ordinary people will be punished or will be illegally tortured or arrested by the order of law in Tajikistan. And uh, as uh, Marius mentioned, we have uh, several cases when the pre- uh, when the police arrested people, they were died under the torture. In East Farah city, we know, and we know who, who was the, Police, uh, like a head of the police office in this region, in district in Wahdat region, is if you remember, the young uh, guy who was uh, tortured because of his beard and he passed away in the police office station in Kolab recently, like uh, last year, he arrested. Uh, he, I don't remember his name, but uh, he was died during the torture in Badakhshan, as Marius mentioned. And we have a lot of evidence. Uh, this is the minimum. So I am using this uh, platform and calling on the Western country, the diplomats who might be listening to this conversation. I encourage them to adopt Magnitsky sanction, targeted sanction. I never call on uh, general sanction in Tajikistan. I don't want my people to suffer. I only call for targeting sanction, smart sanction to bring the justice, the criminals, the human abusers, the perpetrators. So once again, I'm using this opportunity and calling on the uh, Western diplomats to adopt sanctions for human rights abuser in Tajikistan and against human rights abuser in Tajikistan, especially uh, police force and the security services and uh, prosecutors who illegally imprisoned and tortured people in Tajikistan. Thank you very much, um, Bruce, for having me. And uh, I hope Gallup uh, polls will do better uh, polling next year. 
<laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Muhammad John, and thank you, Marius, for being on the program. Yeah, I'll be interested in seeing where Tajikistan ranks next year also. Uh, and, and a big thank you, as always, to Nathan Shoemaker, our Medjlis podcast producer in Washington, D.C. Uh, and a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjlis podcast or the Central Asian Focus newsletter by visiting Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's website at rfarl.org. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.